So what I'm going to talk about today is Horatio Nelson, Lord Nelson or Admiral Nelson, and look at his value system, what impelled him to do what he did, but also to look at a few of his quotes to understand his sort of way. Please do comment. It helps us in the algorithm. So many thanks for that. Join the website. I'm also going to put the Discord below here in the link. So join that as well. And let's get the conversation going. Nelson's greatest feat in the end. I'm not going to go through every one of his accomplishments, but the greatest final thing that he did was the defeat of the combined continental, essentially, you can call it the continental navy, to the Spanish and the French Navy had superior numbers to him, 33 to 27 ships. But what's so significant, it more or less establishes Pax Britannica, which is British peace. After that, really, there was no doubt that on the seas, England ruled the waves. And of course, he had many other victories, uh, battles of the Nile, but he's a total English Chad, right? For instance, here's one thing that he did. He was the only first officer in the British Navy in the last 280 years to lead from the front a boarding party. He leads it to take a Spanish ship, uses it as a platform to take another ship. This guy's so chab. By the time Nelson got to Trafalgar for the final battle, he had one eye and one arm was removed, right? It reminds me of someone from uh, Warhammer, right? One of those uh, uh, commissars or something that's still fighting without an arm and without, a, without an eye, but yet he still continued to do his duty. Let me just talk about the victory of Trafalgar in of itself, right? What ships would do and what the tactic was is to have two sort of lines. They would all line up and they would all come close together and then broadside each other. What Nelson did was genius in this moment is completely change that. Uh, he separated the fleet into two different raiding groups, him at the front of it. So you have the line of the Spanish there, right? And you have these two long, long groups of the ships went straight at the middle of it and split them in half and just decimated them. He's given a decentralized tactic to his guys, said, act in the English way. You've been given the prime orders. You know what we are to do. Improvise when you're there. Do what you have to do. All the smoke is cut this fleet in half. They can't signal to each other. The top-downness is defeated by the decentralizedness of this breakup of force. So it's almost like Englishness defeated top-down continentalism in this one, <laughs> this one battle. It's true though, right? I had this system that was old, right? And, and the Englishman who's developed this other way based on his impulsions. And that way is what defeated them, really. Being split in half and annihilated them. People would often get away when those two lines would come together. Uh, they, they could just flee backwards, right? But splitting them at half, his prime goal, like he said the whole time, was the annihilation, the defeat of the French. And so he did that and put himself at risk, put on the victory, which charged into the line, was decimated, right? He was the first ship to make contact, plows into their line, and he's completely blasted by all these French boats. It's like amazing, holy stuff that he did. And then Nelson himself is killed in, in this in this spearhead that he launches himself that saves Britain. It's very Anglo-Saxon in that way. It's like Beowulf, like you die at the end. It's like Ragnarok. In the story, they got from the troops that were alive there later, like what his last words were. And his shipmate comes down below and he says, oh, what, what goes to the battle? What goes to the battle? And he says that uh, we've won. We've won the day. We've won the day. He says, thank God. Thank God I was able to do my duty. His last moment, he says that beautiful. Look, look after my wife 
and uh, you know, he says, kiss me, whatever his name is, like on the cheek, like a brotherly kiss on the cheek, right? It's like a sort of confirmation that he's telling him the truth. He's not just saying it to him in his dying moment. It's like a blessing. It's a blessing as he goes away. And uh, he passes away after that. When he issued the final command in Trafalgar, his order was, England expects that every man shall do his duty. That, more or less, is a motto for this guy's whole life. And it's important to look at that phrasing too, expects. That's not England commands. It's England, home, trusts. An expectation is belief. Home believes that you will do your duty. The only way to attack England is across the sea. And also the only real defense is the Navy because there was no standing army at home. His confidence came from England because England had confidence and believed in him. Because think about it, like when you leave a port, the people that you wave goodbye, you're the last line of defense for them. So you leave port under the implicit idea that they have faith in you. The home has faith in you. And the truth that England expects too is that everyone is reliant on you. From an early age, an English sailor knows that he's reliant on the Navy as well. So this is the only thing standing between the enemy and, and the people at home and everyone I love. It really is a thing from the English perspective that you need to see. You were born in a place where you're surrounded by sea. For you, it's a prime value. And so for him to say England expects, it's England believes, the home believes in you, pride in what, when you left, that they are relying on you, they trust you, right? That's what Nelson was saying to them all. And he felt that his entire career, is that this trust had been placed in me to protect the home and the things I value, because the home is holy. He puts himself last. You can see it in how he acts. He even says, the reason why I risk myself in the shot of our enemies by standing in front is that if I didn't, I'd be at risk of taking shot from my allies, right? And there's a truth in that. Because if you're ordering people to go out and do this thing, and you're not doing it, they're more likely to mutiny that you're not taking the risk. You're not their brother. He'd even quote Shakespeare as well. as says, my band of brothers, this band of brothers, this lucky few. And you can see, so he's not rash in the sense that everything he does, he plans. Even though constantly when he's doing things, when he's reading, you see his quotes talking about it, that we, we must be men of action, we must take action. Because that is against certain admirals who don't even want to risk anything. Yet he doesn't risk for risk's sake. Like another example, what he did was he was uh, chasing a French fleet uh, across all the way to the Bahamas, and he could have destroyed them. He knew that reinforcements were coming for him a certain stage in a week's time and that the French would not have reinforcements but he knew he could win right then but he didn't do it he waited for that then annihilated them so you see prudence there right because he knows quick he's not going to lose him in one week he knows that so he's not putting his troops at risk for no reason no he's, he's saying okay there's a window here within that window I can increase the probability but if that reinforcement was not coming he would have attacked them and annihilated them all across from the start of his career, he has this, this sensibility to say that I will be the head of this tree, is one of his quotes, but constantly contradicting that sort of ambition, or what looks like ambition, is he disobeys orders to serve an English duty. For years, he wasn't given a commission. If you're trying to move forward and go up in a hierarchy for its own sake, you don't do that. So to actually say he wants to be at the top of it, it's just not for his own sake, but to to help do his duty. Now, what articulates that is, there's a quote Nelson has. He says that, my first duty is to king and country. If any orders under that militate against it, 
then I go back to the highest order, the highest value in the hierarchy, which is duty to the king and country and to destroy the French. And I make my own decision based upon that. Like Robin Hood, Nelson puts the realm and the, the sort of moral law against the lesser laws. To Nelson, the more important than anything was his, the home, the king spirit, the king, the country, king and country, he says. And when there were things that were, were contradictory to that moral law, he broke those orders. And he does that all the way up the line and recommends his own soldiers do that. That's why I love him. He's like this disagreeable guy. And I'd love to live like that because I'm quite disagreeable. He says in another quote, you shouldn't question orders. You do it implicitly. But he says to the same seaman that to be an officer, you must be a seaman. You cannot be a good officer without being a gentleman. And what it means is, is that you can't be a good because good is evaluation, right? It comes out of the moral order, which comes out of the narrative order. And that's what a gentleman is. He's embodied the narrative and normative or moral order has the values in him. Then you're a good officer. And only once you do that, can you then break rules. Of course, follow orders because you don't know yet. It's like telling an apprentice, follow orders first, follow orders until you know how it works. The reason why Nelson became so famous is because the people were behind him. He would do certain things and newspapers would come and attack him for it. He said, it doesn't matter, one day I'll have my own gazette. His virtue in the end came through and the people were on his side because they could not deny it. And Parliament too, they didn't have him killed or executed or removed from command. Eventually they go, this is working, this works in our world. And because the culture values that, because of the narrative order of Robin Hood, he's made the most famous man. You break the right rules that should be broken because they notice it implicitly. They see that, ah, that's of our value set. That rule they're breaking was unjust. But if you break them not knowing the value set, you break a rule that is just, then the people don't come and support you. I mean all sorts of rules, like social rules, everything. So if you just break rules because you have power, you might have the people come against you, of course, right? So you need to understand the normative order first. Then you do that, you do the right times. You step out at the right time. You have the right instinct to do it. Also in the genius of him is his ethic he gave to his own men. And Nelson would gather his captains and admirals together and let them in on the greater, wider plan and give them great leeway in what they did because he knew that was crucial to his success all the way up and will be crucial to their victory and was crucial to their victory over the French and Spanish Navy that led to Pax Britannica as well, this very thing. Everything that worked for him all led up to this moment and the same thing that worked for him, he gave to his soldiers under him. So it's kind of, you can see Alfred in that as well, the, the Berg defence, the decentralised and that's especially relevant at sea. He even talks about in one of his quotes that in the sea, it's not like a general in, in the, in the, on the land. The wind can suddenly disappear. That You need to be ready to quickly capitalize on the changes of luck, which is the unknown, right? This guy's a master of the unknown, a master of facing the unknown as a seaman, because it's like I've talked about before, the waves are the, the most unpredictable thing, and especially fighting on them. He ended his life exactly how he lived it, because it was the only way to do it. It could only have been achieved that way. It wasn't a mistake. And they call it the Nelson touch. He did himself as well. Is that when he, people had such confidence in him, he said it was, or someone said, or he said it was like an elect, electric shock, the Nelson touch, right? And people were sort of teary-eyed when they were talking about it because he joined the fleet and they were so much more confident in it. And of course, by that time, his reputation had been established. He had deep trust in his commanders under him and they loved him for it. 
we love a benevolent authority. And when I say authority, I mean a just thing, a thing that is connected to the narrative and normative order and the values that we cherish. Like they saw him and his values and how they acted. And that made him sort of, he almost became a legend, like enchanted him and gave them such confidence in him and themselves. They're on board with it because it's part of their being as English, you're the ring giver. Said of English sailors that they were undefeatable They'll fight forever in service of this idea, the king spirit, this idea of, of freebornness, because they're fighting for something that's in them. They're not so good under torture, right? Or they won't be able to run off a roof like the Tsar, because all you believe in is the god emperor, the Tsar, the, the, you know, the god, or the Japanese, right? Who suicide into ships, but, but together, fighting for home as freeborn, they're undefeatable. Fighting for something greater than you, than you that lives on. That's what made the English sailors powerful. That's what made Nelson more powerful. That's what guided his arrangement of how they operated. The Royal Navy could fire three shots to one shot fired by the Continental Navy. They were that well trained and drilled. And people might say, oh, it's just because they were trained and drilled. No, but they did that because they were impelled to. Like, the English Navy were great because they knew the whole of England relied on them for their defence. They were the watchers on the wall. Because it's a sea nation that's surrounded by sea, constraints develop value sets. Because there's this room for the disagreeable in our culture, the Robin Hood, that's why Trafalgar was won. Because what he did was a complete unorthodoxy. He was unorthodox in the, the right time in the right way by charging the line. Every other battle was the pitched battle, like I said, going towards each other. He charges in the middle of it and decimates them because he knew the rules and broke them at the right time. And he did that across his whole career. I think this is a kind of behavior set that works in an English value system. If you're in the Chinese Navy or even some continental navies, if you do that sort of thing, you probably get your head chopped off. You don't say, okay, in this culture, if I do that, people will support me. No, not necessarily. Because Nelson did it, he doesn't break the rules until he has his own ship. So he's a bit dangerous to the people that he's working with. And so our advice we should take from that is to know when to do it, of course, accrue some power around you and some protection, be dangerous in some way, then you can do it with prudence. And then the culture will allow it to some degree. Leading from the front, if you're putting your men at risk, you need to be in the same risk. If you don't do that, they wouldn't have confidence in you. And they'll think, why does he sit back there? He says to young officers around him, this is great advice for any young man, whatever is it, don't be discouraged by the momentary sorrow that you experience. Think, what have I done for my own improvement? And also, what have I done for my country? This works on two levels. Firstly, what have I done for my own virtue, towards my own making myself a better man? Is that if you haven't done much, it gives you things to do. So you go, well, I haven't done this and I could do this and that'll fix it. And that gets rid of that sorrow. But after that, when you do start doing that and enacting virtue, is that if you have sorrow about how you're being treated, is that our people aren't recognizing this, as happened for Nelson, is that he didn't get commissioned for a long time because he had competitors, right? People that were clawing up the greasy pole. What happens if you're feeling sorrow in those moments, you think, what have I done? Well, I'm doing everything I can for my own self-improvement. And then you have solace in that, that I'm con controlling everything I could control. And also thinking about what have I done for my country? I'm doing it all for the value hierarchy. And so that gives him, gave him solace in those dark moments, thinking about that. You could do the same, leading from the front, decentralized action, disobeying certain orders at the right time for the higher order of things. And that's why he's a great English hero. And that's what we can take away from him, is be like that Robin Hood. 
be trained, be dangerous, be ready, accrue some power around you, know the rules before you break them, and dare greatly to believe in your ability to become virtuous, like Nelson, same thing, build your hierarchies in this way, put your trust in them and they'll have trust in you. And, and, and then naturally out of that, especially in an English culture, knowing they're not tyrannized, they'll love you for it. Do that, dare greatly believe in that, and God save the king.